Hey, this is episode number 78 of Future Chat from Unwind Media. Every week on this show, we take an hour or so to discuss all the week's most interesting science and tech news. And we're glad you're all here listening. Nick, you seem to take offense to every time I say the word hey to open the show. What uh, What's up with you today? I don't know. You, you said hey, and then it reminded me of last week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> am I weenie or the butt? <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mike, how about you? How are you doing today? I, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's almost my daughter's birthday. Tomorrow is, and we're celebrating today since it's a weekend and have all day to do that. So mm-hmm. had a nice little birthday celebration this morning and looking forward to the rest of the day. Nice. And of course, doing the show today. How old is she? She is turning three. Okay, so... This is a genuine question, but does she yeah. understand the fact that her birthday is tomorrow, but you're celebrating today? She does or is not. It just, no. Okay. It's just like, I guess this is what we're doing today. This it's, is amazing. There's cake. It's it's a funny story because when we were in Disney, part of the thing is if you're there to celebrate something, they'll try to kind of go the extra mile to acknowledge that. So we're like, well, we're kind of celebrating her birthday. We're like, you know, she's turning three. So just to see what they do for it. So then she got this little pin saying it's my birthday and she was walking around and people were like, oh, happy birthday. And she's like, oh, it's my birthday. It's <laughs> like, oh, no, this is a bad idea. So he took, kind of took it off after that first day because that would have been very confusing for her. Yeah, the whole week of it's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Slash it's not actually her birthday. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, we do have some follow up here, Nick. Uh, why don't you tell us about something that's very exciting? Do you mean... Rocksnot, Rob. I do. Well, what's exciting about Rocksnot is that Canadian federal scientists can now talk about it openly and freely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why is that? Why is that? Yeah, remind our, our listeners. Because we elected a prime minister who was like, you know what? Maybe we should let our scientists speak openly and freely on their areas of expertise. That's why. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Did you guys look into this story at all? Yes. I saw the headline. I've, I've heard about Rocksnot before. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Rocksnot isn't a bloom of something new in the Great Lakes. It's something old. Mm-hmm. But uh, wait a minute. Oh, hey, guys. I've got a new pepper plant sprouting. <laughs> wow. Live follow up. Yep. <laughs> I just looked over at it and I was like, wait a minute. What's that? Oh. <gasps> <laughs> That's amazing. Even Speaking of new more blooms, follow up yeah. within the follow up, yeah. follow upception. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so what is Rocksnot? Rocksnot is it's an algae that has been there before, but the big blooms of it are kind of like dead matter. So the conditions have changed in which there are lower amounts of phosphorus in the Great Lakes or something like that. Okay. And so they've started growing this extra layer of you know dead cells and things like that Hmm. which is kind of interesting um although they've now it's now shown up in saint mary's river something like that connect lake superior to a different one (laughs) wow i'm doing so well right now so why weren't they allowed to talk about it before do we know why because they weren't allowed to talk about anything is it was it indicative of climate change or pollution or what's the no just 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 they're scientists they're not supposed to talk about it well and like they they could have gone through the processes to have it able to be talked about i will 
get to a story about that. Then there was Dr. Christy Miller, molecular geneticist in the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. And she was actually studying the, uh, the genome of salmon, sockeye salmon. And she was trying to look for traits that would be indicative of their successful migration to the spawning grounds. Because mm-hmm. they were having big problems with it or something like that. And just whenever it seemed like she might have an opportunity to talk to the media, she had a communications officer and a security guard around her just at all times. Crazy. Silly. Was it the fear that she would say more or talk about something different? Like she just wasn't trusted at all to stick to the story. They're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This person might talk. Mm -hmm. We need to, we need to surround them because offing them seems counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then ironically, Philippe Thomas studies wildlife biology with Environment Canada. He works on a joint Canada Alberta project in which they go up to the Peace Athabasca Delta, I think it's called. Yeah. And they've caught a bunch of dead animals around the rivers to look for the influence of the oil sands on you know, the river system. Mm -hmm. And so they remove the liver and study that. And he was muzzled. Like he, he was requested by D smog Canada for an interview in 2012. And he went through all the official channels and an actual quote was that he was quote media trained and interested in doing the interview. Despite that, he was not allowed to be in the interview despite the fact that his findings actually indicated that the toxins in the area were not really that high. Right. Right. Like, so it's not even that it was negative, negative news. It's just anything. Yeah. His, his findings said, you know, I mean, it's not as low as it could be, but there are also other regions in Canada where these levels of toxins are higher. So it's, it's fine. And so had they just let him talk to people, the Harper government would have gotten what it wanted and said, you know, Oh, oil sands can be developed responsibly. Right. But they were just like, Nope, doesn't matter. Not talking. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping, I mean, everything we've seen so far, as we've discussed previously, seems like there's a huge change in, and that'll end. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, did had they released they this week they released the um the letters like the yeah. Trudeau government released the letters of mandate yeah to all the cabinets and then released them publicly as well. Yep, I really enjoyed uh, reading those. I I I read through most of the the science innovation and uh, economic development minister and good stuff in there about telecommunications. Did did it say give Rob Atchell that job? It did not. I'm a little okay. disappointed, to be honest. <laughs> That's upsetting. To not be called out by name. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I imagine things will be turning around in, in government departments as well. Yeah, at least by the new year. Yeah. Uh, okay, the next story we have here, Mike, uh, why, don't you, why don't you take us home, actually? You have the rest to follow up. Yeah, actually, I want to talk about, I'll go talk about the, the science-related one first. Sure. So we talked about the Canadian who whose group won a share of the Nobel prize for his research on neutrinos and how they change flavors mm-hmm. 
mid transportation, I guess, which proved that they did have mass and don't travel the speed of light. And he actually just won a second science honor. And it is called, let me just go back here, the Breakthrough Prize in Fundamental Physics. And that one is a $3 million prize, which is, I think that's even more than the Nobel Prize. I think Nobel's $1 million, Yeah, I, I think thought. so too. Um, so again, for the same work, the same research, but because it was so groundbreaking, he literally won a prize for, like two prizes for the same research, which is amazing. Yeah. And again, Canadian, Canadian group, so... Uh, mad props to him and hope to see that continue and kind of the maddest of props yes, the maddest him. of props indeed <laughs> and hopefully now with the new canadian government's initiative on science we'll see more and more of this kind of thing in the news yeah and uh so that's just kind of minor follow-up and then there's another piece of news regarding the google car the autonomous vehicles in california that had we had talked about how they're often considered or seem to be too safe. Yeah. And I think this is definitely one of those instances. And I wasn't sure from the story what the context was for this, but it was pulled over while driving down a 35 mile per hour road going 25. Yeah. And obviously you can't go too slow to impede traffic, which is a violation of the law. Yeah. So that's why I was pulled over and it was given a warning. So, I guess they continued their run of not getting issued a ticket, but <laughs> yeah. technically they should have been issued a ticket in this case. Could have. Should have. It's he discretion. was let go with a warning. Yeah, right. But in an, in other circumstances, he could have been given a ticket, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but I guess the one article I read said they were trying to see the car's behavior and how it chose speed limits on right. certain roads. So it sounded like it was a more of a controlled experiment, knowing that it was going too slow and would be going too slow, but they wanted to kind of get some data on how it chose what speed to go. Mm-hmm. But so I guess this isn't indicative of its normal behavior on those types of roads. But in in this case, this is a downside of the car that it can't recognize that it should be going faster. I'm assuming that was the, that was the idea behind this right. is that it should have been going 35, but it was only going 25. Mm-hmm. So are you guys familiar with the show lost in space? No, no. Okay. Super, super old show from the 60s highly highly recommend you guys check it out at least an episode or two but there's i mean there's the little boy in the show is named will robinson okay and is that where the quote comes from yeah okay danger will robinson yeah. that's that's yeah. what i was getting okay. at okay because uh, there's a robot that follows him around and see the catchphrase is danger will robinson and every other so often he'll go warning warning <laughs> and so when you said the google car was issued a warning that's all i could hear in my head <laughs> danger google car warning warning huh. all right what's the last piece yeah. of follow-up you have here that, that's all i had was a with, with the google car so is it though i don't know is it you tell me do you have another follow-up i see a piece of follow-up here about google maps oh that wasn't in our official list so i didn't see that oh that's not a follow-up though that's in the main oh what oh weird okay <laughs> apparently that is in there so what's happening that's rob's Where's fault this? for organizing the spreadsheet what's happening i did nothing <laughs> so <laughs> i put this in follow-up because it's not really follow-up but i it's kind of more passing news but it's still interesting that we I talked about how I went to Florida and tried to download some offline maps and then found out that you couldn't navigate with them. Yeah. 
And we got blessed with a function of Google Maps that now when you download offline maps, it incorporates navigation directions and support for it. And apparently also it includes an index of locations in that offline area. Um, I was actually listening to the Android Police podcast this week and they brought up the Google Maps and one of the guys said that he wished it included the ability to look up businesses in that area. But apparently I guess it does. Yeah. So you can get hours, uh, phone number, website, all that. Yeah. Website wouldn't help that much like the web address, but right. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good to see. So I think, and I think they were saying that the download, when you download the biggest area you can is 3.5 gigabytes. So you better have some good local storage on your phone. If you're going to download an an hour before you have to leave. to download it all. (laughs) Yeah. So holy, but no, that's, that's, it's good to see Google maps for Android getting that support because a lot of people, a lot of people still use the Garmin or uh, Tom, Tom GPS units. So this essentially makes those obsolete if they weren't already obsolete. Right. The, um, so when, when we were in Hawaii, I saved some of Hawaii because I wasn't going to have cell service the entire time. And I think the, the pieces that I saved and they were, at the time, as big as you could get, they were like 3.5 megabytes because it was just, it wasn't any sort of satellite imagery. It was just the core, the raw vector data. Right. But I guess if you're, sa- if you're saving a lot more like navigation and stuff, you'd need yeah. apparently in or- three orders of magnitude more information. Yeah. Well, I'm, ass- I'm assuming it just downloads every single navigation path possible. I don't like, know in whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever vector arrangement it does, but it, it needs to be able to kind of detour and navigate as needed yeah. within that area. So I can see how it would get that big pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't store every piece, every possible way you could take to a place. Right. <laughs> it's like it's close to being infinite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, one of the other things that they added in this update is, uh, it would prompt you by voice if, uh, there was some sort of change in traffic conditions. So rather than just sort of, I think it would prompt you on the screen and say, there's a different way you can go, but now it will actually say it. And so if you're, if you're using hands free, like you're supposed to, then you'll still get an indication of, of changing right. traffic conditions. All right. Uh, let's start, let's start the main, uh, show part. Mike, you have in here first, and I, this again, isn't strictly, doesn't strictly apply to us, but it's worth talking about. T-Mobile took another step towards being the ideal worldwide carrier, I think. Yeah, it's definitely an industry-leading initiative, yeah. for sure. Um, they came out with their... They had a un, Uncarrier. This one, Uncarrier X, I think yeah. this one was, because it's their 10th event, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they announced a binge-on program where you get free video streaming that doesn't contribute to your data cap. And it's all LTE data that you're allowed to use. And it's with uh, video providers like Hulu, Netflix, HBO, and uh, 21 other providers. Right. Which is a lot more than I expected. Not YouTube, though, I noticed. I didn't look at the entire list, but yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not YouTube. Okay. I, I don't know if YouTube's like they're video streaming, but not in the same sense that Netflix is. Yep. Like it is, but it's not. But I think this one's more for the on-demand movie and TV experience versus just video content. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys see this as being a game changer that other companies are following suit? No. I think it's a bit of a moot point being that it's an American company. Well, it's a moot point for it, you. For, for, from an industry perspective, the Americans are usually taking the lead on these types of things. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I mean, Rogers does a lot of the same things in terms of bundling things together. Right. Not in an unlimited data sense, though. In yeah. a per price sense, they might say, yeah, you get your whatever subscription included, but it's still going to contribute to your data cap. Right. One of the things that I saw when when they announced this, or in the and I guess the 24 hours after they announced it, is people were looking through the details and discovered that on this program, like you can turn it on and off, but while you're under the restrictions of this, the I'm going to say restrictions because as I'll get to, they're kind of restrictive. It's not going to stream video at HD quality. It's going to stream it at just below HD quality as a maximum. So you're not going to get 4K content. You're not going to get 1080 content. I think it was they said they're capped to at least DVD quality over LTE. To Is that 480, I think. Yeah, is DVD. Well, it, it's fine. I mean, you're especially yeah. if you're on a phone and it's unlimited. But I think there are going to be a lot of people who are who heard this announcement and assume it's HD and are going to try to stream something. And you can definitely tell the quality difference between like if the phone's sitting right in front of you, if it was a couple feet away, you wouldn't be able to tell, obviously. But yeah. people are going to be disappointed, I think, when they yeah. when they hear about that limitation. Or if it's an iPad, you'd be able to tell. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I Nick, you don't seem enthused by this. <laughs> well, it doesn't. he doesn't get it, so... <laughs> Right, Nick. <laughs> he doesn't get. He it. understands. He's not going to be. He's not going to be a person that can benefit from it. Is what I mean. He's not going to get it. We will benefit from it. I'd imagine. How so? I don't know if you guys, Rob, you're involved in the Twitter conversation. I think about the yeah, yeah, it's about the one guy tweeting Virgin saying that, or a bunch of tweeting yeah, like, oh yeah, it's like oh where's our Ben John or whatever, and then Virgin replied and said, oh stay tuned, it's an exciting year. Yeah, but <laughs> obviously, so. I, they're going to tell people that, oh yeah, we're working on stuff too. So right. I don't, I'd, I'd, again, I'd like to think that this is going to set a new expectation for what companies are going to offer. Maybe not the exact same structure, but they need to start giving us more than just, you know, $20 per gigabyte data. Yeah, charges. for sure. I really hope that one day your grandfathered plans end <laughs> just so I don't have to hear about it anymore. I, we didn't even bring it up. It's true. I was intentionally not bringing it up, Nick, and then you did. Now you brought it up. I, I hope you're happy. I thought that was an allusion to it. No. Now we have to talk about it, right? Unless you guys are actually like planning on joining T-Mobile somehow. Nick, you're, you're not understanding that this is going to cause changes in the industry. That's the whole point. I won't hold my breath. I don't no think, asking you yeah, I mean, they're trying to be disruptive, right? So they're, yeah, exactly. they're trying to differentiate themselves. There was also, on, on this note, there was a tweet uh, from Mobile Serp's Daniel Bader this week that Mike and I both commented on, um, showing just showing the price difference between, I think it was Videotrons, um, yeah, Quebec, Quebec plans and Ontario yeah. plans. Uh, the Quebec plan was $95 for eight gigabytes of data and unlimited everything else. And then Ontario's plan was $120 for seven gigabytes. You get one gigabyte less and it costs $30 more for the same plan. Uh, like these things are regionally different and all it takes is competition to have things change. Have you seen Saskatchewan's rates? Yeah, in Manitoba. Insane. It's ridiculous because they have that, that small, well, not small, but non-big, non-Canadian carrier. Yeah. Just provincial. Yeah, yeah provincial carrier. Yeah. Um, See, and meanwhile, both the plans that Dan tweeted looked outrageous to me. Yeah. Because. Relatively, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm paying $55 a month for the yeah. exact same thing. Even better. So there you go, Nick. There's my token <laughs> mention of my unlimited plan for you. Cool. <laughs> 
I mean, it's it's almost enough to make you want to say, let's move to Saskatchewan. But then, I mean, the reality of that kind of right. sinks in. Yeah. Well, it, that's just crazy. They're though. nationwide carriers. Like in in those provinces, the plans you can get match the plans that they offer. So in theory, if you quote unquote moved to Manitoba, got a plan with Rogers in Manitoba and then moved back to Ottawa and kept your plan, right. you would have this amazing plan and it would be cheap. You just need a Manitoba number. Right. Um, Didn't you say you were looking at doing that? With well, I was definitely looking at it. I don't, I, it right. never got anywhere because it was just like, no, you probably shouldn't do that. It's like some kind of fraud and probably illegal. Right. Um, for another live update here, I have been mostly at home during the day for the last month. And my plan, uh, I'm used to using about a gigabyte a day. My plan right now, it's been five, it's five days into the one where I've been sitting at home all day. And I've used less than a gigabyte after five days. Shocking. Congratulations. So really, it was my commute and time at work where I was <laughs> streaming stuff like podcasts and video. Also, it's not live update, but kind of contextual update. I just this month, I got an email from Tala saying I was at 75% of my uh, home internet cap. Yeah. And before Telus wasn't over like charging for for overuse of their cap because they've they've had the cast but they've never actually enforced them right. But now a couple of months ago they said yeah we're going to start enforcing them and so they started letting you know but not actually saying that they're going to charge you because they weren't and then now is the first time that they're saying okay we're going to charge you. It's only like an extra five dollars for ten gigabytes more that added sounds, on. To that the, even sounds high. It's high, but it's yeah. It depends how much you use. Yeah. Like, but. I don't know. It I, is silly. I actually also got one of those emails. Oh, yeah. 75% usage. It was on the very last day. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was in the last week that I got that. So, But I can definitely... The usage is definitely going up. I don't know if it's something about the way Google Drive syncs things differently than Dropbox did when I was using the majority of my file sharing through Dropbox. Oh, okay. But I've definitely noticed a, a, a reasonable jump, but still well below the 550 or whatever mm-hmm. gigs we have. Kai and I are having no such issues. Obviously, that's good because yeah. you guys, you guys are young and clubbing, and I would, downtown. I would describe us as uh, tech savvy. Actually, <laughs> well, ah. how are you not having those issues? <laughs> oh, you mean because it's unlimited? Have, no, we have a three hundred gig, three hundred oh. gig cap. I yeah, think. mine's two fifty. Exactly. Sucks you don't have that extra 50 gigs of wiggle <laughs> room, doesn't it? <laughs> this episode's sponsored by Tech Savvy. <laughs> Man, I wish. Yep. They've sponsored things before. They should look into that, to be honest. They should. Um, you should also look into Tech Savvy. Well. Cost-effective and uh, very nice internet. In, in February, our plan is up, our two-year with Rogers, so we'll see. Oh, is it, is it, is it, is it finally? That being said, Julia wants cable and a bundle is a very efficient way to go if you want everything, but we'll see. Mm. I know what I'll be pushing for, (laughs) but uh, yeah. Keep fighting the good fight, Rob. Exactly. Uh, Okay, we done talking mobile for now? Yes. I have a two-part story here and really it's all to do with sugar in food. This is something I like to actively think about all the time. Um, this So this week, General Mills, the makers of, among other things, Cheerios, was sued uh, over this new, I don't know, have you guys seen this trend of 
cereal, or cereals putting out like high protein or high fiber versions of their their cereal in a like they come in a bag instead of a box and it's all it all seems high, very hipstery high fiber yeah not in a bag though yeah i was gonna say high fiber has been a thing like forever but like a high fiber but variation I, on their original yeah like i remember high fiber back Cheerios. when i was back when i was last eating cereal which was in ottawa oddly <laughs> maybe that's why you're still stuck on ste- cereal well right. i'm not personally um, but. they had a lot of like special k with almond slivers and stuff right. like that and they were advertising how high protein it was mm-hmm. so if you go to a grocery store and look at their fancier cereal section you'll see this cheerios protein version and it comes in a bag and it's it's very sort of modern looking but uh they were sued on over the nutritional content of it because they claimed it was high protein obviously if they're calling it cheerios protein and so what they ended up doing, the for context, the original Cheerios, one serving is 28 grams, comes with three grams of protein and one gram of sugar per serving. And the new Cheerios protein version comes with seven grams of protein and 17 grams of sugar, which is 17 times the sugar and twice the protein. And the serving size is 55 grams, I believe, or approximately twice as much. So basically, if you eat twice as much of the cereal, you'll get twice as much protein and you'll get 17 times more sugar. Uh, really what they did the is math. <laughs> yeah, they added a bunch of sugar to their regular cereal, maybe a tiny bit if you, if you look closely a tiny bit more protein and doubled the, the serving size of the new cereal. And that's how they got um, Cheerios protein, which is why they're getting sued because that's not a high protein cereal that's just eating more cereal. <laughs> so I want to say that when you first said, I, I think a lot about the sugar in foods, mm-hmm. I'm imagining you walking through the cereal aisle. There's sugar in this. There's sugar in all of this. I do that. You must be mindful of the sugar. <laughs> sugar is everywhere. <laughs> and then you picked up Cheerios protein. You're so much sugar here. All the sugar. I don't know what you're referencing, but I like it. <laughs> I, I'm not referencing anything. Just in my mind, that's what you were up to. No, I, I really do do that. That's true. With the accent, Julie's too. Like, yeah, yeah you're, you're all, there's so much sugar in this. And Julie's like, why are you talking like that, Rob? <laughs> it's like a but, Romanian accent or this something. This is who I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so anyways, on, on this serial thing, I was, I was already, I, I have already been very mindful. I made a video last year about how much sugar and, uh, salt food industries about add to your food without you realizing sugar. it. Check and out the actual update channel on Unwind Media. Actually, it's not <laughs> Unwind Media anymore or yet. And, uh, so with that in mind this week, as well, the FDA announced that, or they made a new recommendation uh, for nutritional guidelines that Americans, well, everyone really, if you're trying to be healthy, but that Americans should eat and drink no more than 50 grams of sugar in a day. And that works out to roughly amount, the amount of sugar in a single can of Coke. So basically, if you're eating, if you're drinking any amount of soda, that's not diet and diet pop has its own issues, but uh if you're drinking any amount of pop, you're probably getting too much sugar right away. But 
Um, I was reading several articles. I think there was one of those listicles that was talking about different meals you could have from restaurants and how much added sugar there was. And basically, it's impossible if you go out to eat to a fast food place or something to get any single meal that has less than 50 grams of added sugar, much less an entire day. It's just almost impossible to do that. Um, but they're saying that that's basically one of the main reasons behind the increased levels of obesity we're seeing in Western culture and that this is one way to stop it because we don't actually need all that much sugar. If you get like sugar is very, very energy dense. And so getting even a small amount is, is fine. Like that suits your energy requirements and the rest just goes to slowly over time fat deposits. It doesn't help that over time we've gotten so uh, conditioned to eating high salt, high sugar stuff. Yeah. Like I know people who have kind of phased out refined sugars or just added sugar in their diets, they get a lot more satisfaction from eating something like a piece of fruit. Like it's just very sweet and other things like ice cream become, they can't eat it anymore because it's too sweet. So it's yeah, like there's sugar and everything and salt and everything that if you try to limit that, you're going to get a lot more enjoyment out of flavors and not need as much to enjoy eating them. Yeah. What I find interesting is, um, you're not interesting, grateful, I suppose. <laughs> um, my mother was actually conscious of extra sugar and things. And one thing that we just loved as kids was Kool-Aid. Right. But I guess from the moment she set eyes on the instructions for preparing Kool-Aid, she was like, I'm not putting that much sugar in this. We'll take it down like a quarter or right. something. Yeah. That'll, that's more reasonable. And so I actually, growing up even, I mean, I still drank Kool-Aid with reckless abandon as children. <laughs> but um, there are a lot of things that I'll try now and I go, it's awful sweet. Yeah. Don't really like it. And so, you know, from that early age, kind of got in there and it changed my tastes for life. Right. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So she diluted it then? No, she just added less sugar to the Kool-Aid. Okay. There's even like, I don't know if you've had a lot of canned spaghetti sauces and stuff like that. Well, but there's actually, (laughs) sorry, I used to, I don't really so much anymore for obvious reasons, but. An Italian wife? The sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone with the Italian wife thing too. But. <laughs> but like, I actually walked in the door the other day and I could smell that something was cooking with tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. And I could also smell that there was sugar in it. Hmm. Right. Did you know a lot of people add sugar to tomato sauces? Yeah. I thought that for the longest time, I just didn't really like spaghetti sauce. And I didn't know why. I was just like, oh, I'm not crazy about it. And then I saw my mom adding sugar one day. And I was like, what does it taste like without the sugar? And so she <laughs> gave me some without the sugar. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so savory. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, but so, so the last thing that I really wanted to say about this is the first of all the the sugar companies companies that are involved with putting lots of sugar into foods that you find in the grocery store um are very well like they have a vested interest in being allowed to continue to put that much sugar in and having them not necessarily recommend that you eat it but that they don't recommend you don't eat it and uh so there's a quote here in this article from the business insider 
uh, from a group called the International Food Information Council that receives funding from um, beverage companies, including Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Oh, no. He speaks sugar. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Big sugar. (laughs) This is basically a lobbying group that that takes funding from fast food and, and beverage companies and so this guy, the director of Nutri- Nutrients Communications, which is just a great title, uh, says that metabolic- me- metabolically speaking, our bodies don't differentiate between added and natural sugars. But that kind of fails to take into account that natural foods that happen to have sugar in them are a lot healthier for you than sort of pr- heavily processed foods that have a bunch of sugar that have like refined table sugar that's been poured in. And... I think that's a really important distinction that a lot of people fail to recognize when you when you go and look at a box of Cheerios or something like that. Even Cheerios being a fairly good example, not necessarily the best example, but when you go and look and you see one or two grams of sugar in Cheerios, that's a different kind of sugar. It's not someone taking refined sugar and pouring it in like they would with Fruit Loops or something. Right. The crazy thing is how much salt is in cereal. Yeah. Like Raisin Bran, so much salt. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. People like it. You know how I avoid added sugar and salt in cereals? Don't eat cereal. <laughs> no. No. I eat cereal. I prepare my own slow cooker oatmeal. There you go. That's not really cereal, but... <laughs> yeah, it is. It It is a cereal. Oatmeal is a cereal. You, well, I mean, it, breakfast cereal. Like, it's not... It's different. It's 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 known as a hot cereal. Right. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> It's not a fancy cereal I buy off the shelf, Nick. It's completely different. I don't want... You can have it cold. Yeah, no, I know. You can prepare it, put it in the fridge, add some maple syrup and some milk, yeah. maybe some wild blueberries. Mm. <laughs> I'm not talking... I'm not saying any is better. I'm, in fact, saying <laughs> if I was going to judge them, I would say yours is better. It's just not the traditional cereal when people think about boxed breakfast cereal. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Although I can't recommend steel cutouts enough. I think you could. Speaking of which... <laughs> I looked into it, and apparently steel cut oats aren't actually any healthier than gold oats. Should they be? They're marketed as such. My understanding is that the glycemic index ends up being slightly different. Okay. I'm not talking about quick oats. There's quick oats, and then there's just rolled oats. Rolled oats is not quick yeah, oats. right. Rolled oats aren't supposed to be any different than in the steel cut. They're just cut differently. Right. Not with steel. Well, they're, no. steel cut is you just have the yeah. the actual oat and right. it's sliced and rolled is obviously it's been rolled yeah. over right that doesn't change nutritional value that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. i'm what do you mean by nutritional value though because my understanding is the glycemic and in, index ends up being better for you in the steel cut version really? so you'll get all the like it's the same like if you had a sheet of the nutritional information it would be the same stuff right it just is released slower. Okay, that could be true. And it also has a much better texture to it. Yeah, and that's the thing, it's personal preference on that end. Yeah. Right. No, it has nothing to do with personal preference. Steel <laughs> cut oatmeal is better. Definitively better texture? Okay. Yes, this is not a subjective matter. I've done the experiments myself. I've consulted with Elton Brown's literature and objective truth. Interesting. That's the territory we're in. <laughs> uh, Nick, you have some news here about I guess this is Newfoundland and Labrador's cod stock. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're being honest, Newfoundland, because who lives in Labrador? Yes. <laughs> Quebecers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it appears that Newfoundland's cod stock is rebounding. 
And that's so exciting. Like, do you guys remember when they shut the fishery down after just a bunch of shenanigans, apparently? I believe it was Brian Mulroney's government that actually started putting limits on the size of the holes in the nets. Okay. Because they were catching way too much cod. And they actually, I think they had a naval ship fire across the bow of a fishing ship and then actually hit the part that attached the net to the boat so they could pull out the net and say, look, this is unacceptable. Right. But eventually they just shut the cod fishery down because the population had been decimated and actually worse than decimated if we're being literal about the term decimated. But... So the, there was a story on uh, Quirks and Quirks this past week about it. And they're saying like there are, there are areas where they haven't seen cod in 40 years where the cod are starting to show up again. And granted, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this because there's now a lot of pressure to reopen the cod fishery or increase the fishing limits. And the expert talking on the matter from fisheries and oceans who can now speak freely about such things is saying that, uh, you know, the cod are a cold water fish and apparently paradoxically the warmer water temperatures are helping their, their numbers and their, uh, their main feed stock has also shown up again in larger numbers, which might be leading to the population explosion. But he's saying we need to hold back and let the population fully recover I don't know what fully recover means, whether that's pre-European contact where apparent, I mean, according to lore, you could literally drop a bucket in, pull the bucket out and it would be full of cod. But mm-hmm. that sounds real. What do you guys think? <laughs> Cause I mean, for, for, for some context for Mike, it'd be like if all of a sudden no oil was coming out of the ground again or no oil was coming out of the ground and they said, okay, you need to hold off on pulling oil out and let the stock recover, even though that doesn't really happen with oil. <laughs> but then it started coming back again and people were like, no, we got to start drilling. There's money in that, in that ground. And people were like, no, no, let it fully come back. Mm-hmm. Or in other words, they rely on this for income. And so this, this would re- rejuvenate the economy. I'm going to credit my fantastic analogy <laughs> to your comprehension, Mike. <laughs> Let me start by saying that we can probably just credit this to Trudeau's government because definitely, <laughs> I think that that's the biggest effect here. Um, Are you sure? Because because Harper's austerity measures and mm. careful controls of the economy might have allowed the cod stocks that's to, true to flourish again. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, <laughs> my my knowledge of the whole fishery history, I don't. I, I'm not familiar with that, but I, I'm aware that their economy kind of crashed because of the fishery aspect. Um, yeah. Luckily, I, they struck oil. Well, yeah. that's not really doing anything right now. <laughs> only got like one rig. Um, I look appara- at the oil snob over here. Apparently, I got like one deep sea rig. <laughs> Come on, it's really expensive to drill there. Um, I drill. I drill more out of my basement. Nick. <laughs> Come on. Apparently alligators and crocodiles in Florida, they were endangered at one point and they let them come back and now they're overrun with them and crawling into people's backyards. So now they have an open hunting season year round for alligators. <laughs> I think I think there's even bounties attached to them if you go and hunt them. 
Are you worried that people will go out <laughs> in boats on Newfoundland's coast and will be overrun by cod? That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's that's all I can kind of picture is these cod just jumping into boats and being a nuisance. <laughs> They're like, no, no, this is what got us last time. Sink the ships. <laughs> oh, man. I, okay, on a serious note, if this if this supports the economy, I think you just have controls and you you issue however many licenses and you know limits on how much you can catch. Like hunting and fishing, that's a fairly regulated thing already, yeah. at least in Alberta. And you know you get your license and you have however, a license to catch however much, and I think that's what you go with for, for to start with. Mm. Yeah, it it depends because there's there has to be a certain there's a certain threshold below which it's not economically feasible to go out to catch a certain number of fish right. and it whether it's at that point or not yet remains right. to be seen but that's that's the line it's, it's good to know that it's coming back though yeah. from an environmental standpoint even just yeah. yeah i mean it supports the in my opinion it supports the government intervention and such things you can be like listen if you stop going nuts about this maybe it could actually rebound mm-hmm. right so they don't know why it's rebounded yet well, or is it just because they, uh, they stopped fishing long enough well, they have, I mean, part of it's that they stopped fishing. Um, and another part of it is that the their, whatever they eat, the cod eat, has shown up again. And the water temperatures are helping. And there's just, there are a bunch of factors that are helping. Right. But it's also good because there was some concern that we'd fished it to the point where it would never come back. Yeah. Because that is a thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Because do we import a lot of our our fish these days? I'd imagine we do. From I assume Asia, so. Maybe. Well, with the exception of like farmed salmon, right. or you know, I guess farms, some wild salmon. That's true. Yeah, there's farms. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I imagine we import a bunch though. Yeah. So I can't wait until fish and chips are cheap and plentiful again. <laughs> They're not that expensive now. They could be cheaper. They could be. I don't think the price of food is especially ever if go the down. cod. If the cod fishery explodes, yeah. maybe it'll be, you know. Yeah. No one likes tilapia fish. What? It's just it's <laughs> like, blasphemy. <laughs> are you are you a big tilapia fan? I don't dislike it. It tastes the same as any other white fish. <gasps> what? <Rob. laughs> what? Could you? <laughs> Live with yourself, Rob. <laughs> Sorry, this is all fake outrage. <laughs> first, first, hey, instead of hello, and now this. Yep. I, what happened to you, Rob? I'm fine with it. <laughs> Just, you're obsessed with sugar and tilapia. It appears to be all that matters yeah. for you right now. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Mike, why don't you get us out of this hole by talking to us about some energy? <laughs> I would love to talk about energy. Yeah. We have biofuels is an interesting thing. They, uh, because it's kind of a broad category. It seems like it's like anything that's not hydrocarbon, but it's a material thing can kind of be a biofuel. It almost seems like, and Edmonton has a program now where they're directly converting garbage to biofuel. The methods to get biofuels from garbage in the past have been to collect the uh, gas release from the waste and convert that to energy. Whereas this plant uses heat to actually use the garbage as like a direct energy source. Mm-hmm. So it, it converts it to a liquid fuel and collects that. But it's not just collecting the naturally released or using a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
like accelerant or whatever to to get the gas to be or at least with the directly converting that waste to biofuel and apparently it's the first of its kind in the world to do that and this company which we'll get the name of Enerchem. uh yeah Enerchem. it doesn't look like it's a canadian company because they have some places in the states that they're using the same type of technology or planning to but this is the first plant right that is is going to do it of the industrial scale and uh, yeah, apparently it's going to convert 140,000 tons of solid waste into 30 million liters of biofuels and uh, it's going to help Alberta reduce the greenhouse gas emissions, which apparently it can be reduced by more than 60% when compared with fossil fuels and, and landfills. So because otherwise that garbage would go into the landfill. So it's kind of a twofold benefit there because when you, I guess the landfills release their own greenhouse gases. Yeah, they do. So this is kind of a, a double whammy to fight that so that's that's good to see i don't know how practical this would be to kind of be a widespread it uh, seems practical technology but yeah if they can kind of use edmonton as a proof of concept it sounds like you could probably do the same thing anywhere where you'd otherwise have a landfill Mm -hmm. is this it sounds like are they using waste in the human waste type of thing or is this any kind of waste like landfill waste not like poop waste so at least i don't think it's poop waste yeah but just garbage, like anything that would go to the landfill, you bring to this facility instead. Hmm. Like, I don't think it even needs to be organic. I think it's just right. waste. It definitely seems broadly applicable then. Yeah. Hmm. Nick, did you have any comment on this? Could they use sugar? <laughs> yes. As I mentioned before, it's very energy dense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think I remember reading about this. Like a while ago. Yeah, when I looked for follow-up articles, when I read this article recently, there were a bunch of them from like 2012, 2013, that they were planning on building it. But now it looks like it's mm. coming online. Like they finished building it now. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so so it's good to oh, see. That's really neat. Again, Canada leading the way on that. I don't think we're leading the way on this. I'm well, pretty sure places in uh, Scandinavia are doing this. They're, they're saying this facility is the first of its kind in the world. Maybe the first of its kind, but I know that, uh, what is it? There's a, one of the Nordic com- uh, countries was ha- having to import garbage to to process it in this, in a similar way. I don't know if it's burning it oh. or if it's something. Oh, that yeah. might be the ca- the gas capture method. Yeah. If that's what they're doing. I, I remember that too. No, no, it's it's incineration. Okay. Straight up incineration, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I recall too. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's, this may be unique to, to this specific method, which is, is good, but they're definitely not the first people to take garbage and rather than putting it in a landfill, do actually something. Yeah. They, they didn't beneficial. call this incineration though. Like it's, no, this it, it includes applying heat, but it's not incineration. Right. Yeah. No, this is, oh, okay. this is not incineration. Okay. This is something different. Right. Actually, have you guys heard about, uh, there's a method of burning garbage ish. But it involves using plasma torches. Have you guys heard about that? No. No. Okay. It seems really interesting because it's it's a lot like garbage incineration, but the energy return just skyrockets. And the stuff you're left with is this weird black, like almost crystalline thing. Right. And I guess you can use that to help pave roads afterwards. Cool. Yeah, it's really neat. And you can... you can dispose of a lot of hazardous waste, not like hazardous waste because of elements involved, but hazardous hazardous waste because of like, you know, 
poisons or something like that, like organic molecules, because it upon plasmification, it just breaks every chemical bond and then reforms into, you know, something more inert. So they're looking at it as one, a way of cleaning up hazardous stuff because it makes it much easier to deal with or, you know, sterilize whatever medical ways too can just go right through it. Right. And no ill effects on the other end. And it's also capable of generating a lot of energy. Right. Neat. So Mike, what's yeah, the other so, energy story here? Yeah. So then there's another energy story I came across this week and it was very clickbaity because the headline in the article was this bike can power your home for 24 hours based on an hour of cycling. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. I was going to say that's uh, <laughs> I hope your legs yeah, are right? in really good shape. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the real story is that the bike, when hooked up to the system that actually generates the the house, the power for your house, it can power your a rural house in like say an area where it doesn't need you know forced air heating, yeah, and that kind of thing, where you're literally just having light bulbs and maybe small appliances, and that can be powered for twenty four hours based on an hour of of cycling. But again, I'm sure that you still need quite a bit of kind of work used you could obviously do the math to to figure out how much kilowatt yep. hours you'd need but it looks like they've come up with a system where it's realistic to implement in areas where you can't really hook it up to a grid and i don't know there there isn't much to this or it's not like groundbreaking technology necessarily at least it didn't seem like it is more just a way to hook up the bicycle to maybe a battery or something the, the, the article didn't go into too much detail so right my apologies for that but it's it's good to see these types of systems where, you know, places where they don't have grid access, you can kind of give them something that can even, you know, even as powering a TV or an oven or that kind of thing. Right. I'm imagining a little asterisk, like bicycle powered rural homes, asterisk. So long as you're using a wood stove. Yeah. <laughs> and candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's the thing. Like you'd, you'd have to look at the actual power generation capabilities of the bike and your legs mm-hmm. and convert that to what you'd actually want to power in your house right he he mm-hmm. the the i guess point of this article about it is his plan to distribute ten thousand of the bikes this is a a very wealthy individual and he's basically giving these away to poor communities which i think is is a very noble goal and i mean if you look at the bike it's not it doesn't look that high tech it's not very compact but if it's if it's your way to generate energy then it's great no, it look, looks like a recumbent bike. Yeah. Yeah. Is that all you, is this? That, like, that's that's kind of all I had. Yeah. Just sweet. something to, to talk about just to, I guess, more news on bringing power to everyone, because that's from what I've read, that's kind of the holy grails for everyone to have access to, to energy and power, because mm-hmm. that just enables so many things. Like we take that for granted so much, like nowadays, just access to power wherever you go. Yeah. If everyone who is using their, uh, Either they're like their recumbent bicycles, their their treadmills. If they're all generating energy with that, instead of just right. pointlessly exercising, we could probably have <laughs> a lot more energy. Apparently, there are some gyms where the energy like that you burn when you're, for instance, biking, gets put back into the grid of the okay. the the gym, and so the more you go, yeah. they actually credit you with like where you could actually pay less per month if you're oh, cool. generating a lot of electricity. Which I think is a pretty great idea. Uh, okay, Nick, you have a story here about anti-vaxxers. 
I do. I actually have two links for it. Yeah. According to a paper in Nature, they've discovered an effective way of changing the mind of anti-vaxxers. Can anyone take a guess? I should not be a part of this because I just looked. <laughs> I read the U- I read the URL, so I kind of already know too. <laughs> okay. It's the yeah, way that all we've all been to- trying to motivate them anyway, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's like as I I seem to recall in our old episodes, we said that vaccinations were a victim of their own success, and that people didn't know what these diseases were like, and that these could kill people. And so it turns out. If you show parents a picture of the disease they're vaccinating against, they're much more likely to vaccinate their child. Right. And like, honestly, I hadn't seen what a case of the measles looked like. And they have a picture in this article on what it looks like when you're suffering the measles. And it's horrific. Right. Like, it's almost like tiger stripes, but in a terrible, horrible kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- but yeah, so so that they had that compared against a couple other things. One of them was reading an article on how like the va- vaccination and autism link wasn't actually a thing. And there's like one or two other articles. Right. Or one or two other methods, one of which was a control in which you just read about a generic scientific topic. Hmm. But yeah, it's you can actually change their minds if you show them the consequences. Right. And I have, there's another link in there in which they say a former anti-vaxxer is now very upset with the movement. And guess why? Because they saw these pictures? (laughs) No, no, this wasn't like a pictures thing. Their kid got a disease? Yeah, their kid got whooping cough. There you go. And now they're beside themselves. She's like, what? This can actually happen if I don't vaccinate my kid? What? Yeah. And so this woman, albeit well-meaning, because the reason people aren't vaccinating their kids is that they're trying to protect them from harm, and that is an understandable instinct. But if you know all the facts, it's a terrible idea. Right. So this woman's kid got whooping cough from the child of another anti-vaxxer, And now she's, you know, just beside herself and she's really upset that people are allowed to not vaccinate their children. And it's just dripping in irony. Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, yeah, a former advocate who was upset with the fact that we were forcing all these horrible vaccinations upon our children, child actually got whooping cough. And now she's just beside herself on the other side of things. It sounds like people prone to hysteria just on opposite ends of the same issue. Yeah. Do they still rely or their their whole thing is, well, we'll be protected by herd immunity? Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but I know anti-vaxxers will often use that. That's, that's a big, uh, that's a big rationale in the yeah. anti- anti-vaxxer community. The problem being there are now so many anti-vaxxers <laughs> that there is no herd immunity. Right. right. Well, not only that, but they're misunderstanding how herd immunity works. Yeah. Because herd immunity doesn't protect individual people. It protects from pandemics. Well, so, and it protects like the your weak kid, ones. Right. Well, who couldn't get vaccinated? Yeah, but exactly. the idea is that with herd immunity, if you're going to get it, it's not going to spread. It doesn't mean you're not going to get it. So yeah. if you're not vaccinated, you're still going to get it. It's just not going to spread past you. Yeah. Which well, is, I mean, the rationale being that if everyone around you is vaccinated, then you're probably not going to get mm-hmm. it. Right. 
But you're not. That's that's where they're coming from. And that does have a certain rationale to it. Right. It's just. Well, it's abusing it though. You're still vulnerable. Yeah. Well, the idea is that those who can't get vaccinated would be protected. Yeah. Like if you're too young or you're allergic to the vaccine Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. I actually asked my mom if she'd ever considered not vaccinating me, and she just was like, no. <laughs> I had whooping cough when I was a kid, yeah, and yeah. I would not wish that on anyone. Like, she, she was, I guess she was, like, in her teens or something like that when she got it, and she remembers thinking, like, oh, my God, this is actually going to kill me. This is bad. Yeah. And so, thanks, Mom. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I ha- you didn't put nearly as much cool or sugar in my Kool-Aid <laughs> and you vaccinated me against whooping cough. <laughs> Big fan. Is see I had the croup. The croup cough, but I think that's different. Yeah, it's different. I don't know. That similar. is different, yeah. It's similar. Similar symptoms, I think, but it's a bit different. Right. That wasn't fun either. No kidding. <laughs> I can't imagine it would be. Yeah. But I think it's it's interesting that we appear to be rounding a corner on this just pardon my phrasing, but batshit insane movement. Yeah. Maybe it will finally die out. Maybe. Well, if they keep doing it, they will. <laughs> Touche. Yes. It's the idea anyway. <laughs> I wonder how history will look back on this age. Right. It's like, yeah, so they cured all these diseases and then it just started happening again for absolutely no reason. <laughs> because because the internet is a thing. Right. The the bad edge of the internet sword. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Mike, you want to take us home? I would love to take us home. All right. S- since we're already talking about prizes for, for achievements in science, I thought it was appropriate that we had news of a female mathematician win what's called the Fields Medal Mathematics Prize, which is considered the Nobel Prize of Mathematics. Granted, it's only a $15,000 prize. Not I think there is a Nobel only. Prize for Mathematics. Is there? I don't <laughs> no. know. The article I read said <laughs> no. it considered it was okay. considered the Nobel Prize of Math. But right. It's, uh, she was the first female to win it ever. And it's, I think the prize has been around for 80 years and is given once every four years. So pretty big deal that, that a a woman was finally recognized because obviously she's not the first woman worthy of the prize. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a hot competition every time, but it's, it's nice to see a female, a female get it. And, uh, her work was on, I believe it was Ryman spaces, Ryman surfaces. Yeah. Geometry and that kind of thing. So very, very crazy stuff. Number Files actually had quite a f- couple, uh, quite a few videos recently on geometry and orienting surfaces and that kind of thing. So highly recommend Number File for those who yeah. are interested in math and they, want uh, an accessible illustration of it. They've had descriptions of the maths surrounding uh, Fields Medals winners before as well. Okay. Yeah. So maybe they'll, they'll come out with this yeah. uh, in the next couple episodes, hopefully. And uh, the last couple of episodes have been about the DNA orientations. Right. So it kind of combines that science and math in one. So right. definitely recommend number profile and congrats to Miriam Mirzakhani. She's Iranian and a professor at Stanford University in California. And she was the one who, who won this prize. There are others that won it as well, but she was the first woman to have won it in right. the time of its inception. Yeah, there's Good for her. a lot of sexism yeah. in all the STEM fields, and yeah. obviously it plays out because th- there's no way it should be the first time that a woman has won this award. But uh, yeah, so yeah, starting to equal things out. 
Yeah. I have to, I have to catch myself sometimes with my subconscious bias. Like I was at the doctor's office the other day and just a kind of family clinic and a woman came in and kind of looked at Emma initially. And then the doctor came in, but I didn't know if the first one was another doctor or a nurse, Mm -hmm. but my first instinct was, Oh, that was a nurse. But I was like, well, technically I don't know, but like, I didn't want to assume that she was a nurse Yeah, because the doctor ended up being a female too. But it's one of those things that you're just so used to having these just assumptions, I guess, that yeah. it kind of get in the way of a lot of stuff sometimes. Yeah, I know that like I have had experience with a lot of, especially like in school myself, I've had experience with a bunch of women that are just so, so much smarter than me and like yeah. better, better in school, just sort of behavior wise, obviously I didn't, I wasn't like in huge trouble, but I wasn't particularly well behaved. But then, like, I just surrounded by women that were just so smart, talented, like, way better at me than me at everything. And, like, it just hearing about that kind of bias, it, like, not, not your kind, but the, the worst yeah. kind where, like, you actually. It's an intentional. It. Yeah. Right. And, um, I just never had any kind of experience like that. Like, if someone tried to tell me that that was the case, I'd be like, no, I have thousands. Like, I have more. Ex- counter examples and i have examples of that yeah yeah it's crazy to me all right um well i guess that's it for the show this week we uh we might even have time for a short after show but um for the time being unless anyone else has anything to say in the show i will wrap it up and say thanks for listening to this week's future chat um i'd like to thank audible.com for helping to support our show uh if you want to get a free audiobook as well as a free 30-day trial to try out Audible's audiobook service. You can head to audibletrial.com slash unwind, uh, and they have over 180,000 different audiobooks to choose from. Uh, We'll be back here next week with more science and tech talk, and you can find past episodes of the show and much more at unwindmedia.com slash futurechat. See you next time. Ciao. Sugar. We're going to do some live follow-up right here. Okay. Okay. Let's, Let's do it. Nope, we got a pepper plant. We do. Now, where did it go? (laughs) It just came out for the show. Here it is. Okay, okay. Can't can't see that. Let's see. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm aware, Mike. I'm trying to fix it. We'll need another picture for follow-up. Yeah, we sure will. All right. People watching will be able to focus on it. What am I looking at? That looks just like, are there multiple sprouts or just one? Oh, oh, there's, there's two a few. Sprouts. Oh, there you go. So there's there's a sprout right there. Yeah. And it's dying because it had what I call a dunce cap. Yeah. This is going to be fascinating listening, by the way. Well, they'll, they'll be able but, to look at the picture that you take. Right. Can you see my finger right yeah. now? Yes. You are perfectly okay. framed basically right now. Awesome. So this guy right here came up with the seed cap still in place. And I had bad luck with that last year. Like it came up and just never left. And you could see the leaves trying to escape the seed cap after a while. Mm -hmm. And so I took it off and it started to actually grow. But so I took it off to start this time and it just dried out and died. So it's actively dying right now. Right. But so right here. Got to lower the camera a bit. second one. Yeah. You're too high. Like that? There we go. Yeah, that's good. Right here. If I just. (laughs) That right there is a seed. Okay. And it's being pushed above the surface and will soon be a plant, I hope.
Nice. So the roots are below it in the soil right now. Um, you can kind of see it at angles that I don't think I can get the computer to. <laughs> right. We'll get a better perspective looks, with a picture. It looks like very exciting times. Very unconsolidated soil. Is that? Um, it's got a lot of like sticks and stuff in it. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about planting, so that might be what you're going for. It just yeah. It's a very small it's plant a, to be in a... It's a potting mix. Yeah. So it will it will get bigger. Do you give it food? Um, Not so far because this is a new... Like I opened a new bag of potting mix and potting mix usually has nutrients in it already. So I'm kind of waiting for that to peter out before I reapply. Right. I also have like this... Kai got it at a sale. It's this weird like quote unquote organic nutrient mix. And I got it because I didn't have any, but it has just the strangest instructions for trying to add things. And it's pounds per meter cubed of soil. Huh. It's like, so that's a scale I'm not working on right, <laughs> right now. Like, yeah, I have like that pot over there, I think is 10 ish liters. Right. And so you end up like trying to get a little bit with a spoon and sprinkle it in and then try and mix it. Ugh. In the end, I got some little, they're actually neat. They're little miracle grow stakes, and you just oh, yeah. drive them into the earth, and they diffuse out. Pretty excited. Cool. Exciting times. Sounds very exciting. Also, in things I didn't say in the show, do we remember all the Nobel Prizes? I'm trying to think. Like, because it's physics, chemistry, medicine, peace, and I want to say literature. I feel like there's more than that. Go, go Wikipedia. There's also, there's a highly disputed economics prize oh, because yeah. it's an economics prize in memory of Nobel, but Alfred Nobel himself didn't spell out the the prize in economics in his will, which established the Nobel right. prizes. Oh, okay. Are those funds still being generated from his estate? Yep. They are. Really? Um, yeah. Like they didn't, uh, I think the award fluctuates based on what the market's doing, but right because they've invested his estate and are paying out the yeah yeah it's, yeah it's all invested right. so right. he made his fortune from dynamite and oddly he thought that it's my understanding anyway he thought that the development of dynamite would be an end to all wars because no one would dream of using something so destructive on other human beings jeez and so he basically predicted what would happen with nukes like nuclear weapons right he just had a much more optimistic view of humanity i think <laughs> yeah for sure like once you could <clears throat> have these high explosives he's like well no one would ever use this on other people other human beings <laughs> that would just be horrifying and then world war one happened yeah. he was like oh and then world war ii happened and <laughs> People stopped using nukes because they right. were like, wow, that gets horrifying really quickly. Okay, we found the line, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, poor Alfred Nobel. And that's part of the reason why he outlined the Peace Prize, because dynamite. Yeah. They, um, the economics one is called the Sverges Riksbank Prize in Economic Sciences in memory of Alfred Nobel. Yeah, yeah. So what are the other prizes, Rob? Was Nick physics, chemistry, on? physiology, or medicine, literature, and peace? Yes. Sorry, biology. Well, medicine, <laughs> yeah. physiology. 
Those are branches, but they are. It's yeah. just those were the fields that he felt could do the most benefit for mankind. Yeah. Right. Take that geology. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Who needs archaeology and anthropology? Those are well, that's minor. True. Well, write a good book about it, and you might get the literature prize. There you go. 